It's July the 9th. We're reading through the Bible in a year. Today's reading is the end of the book of Job. At long last, we've reached the end of the book of Job, and we're in chapters 40 through 42. And 40, you remember that God is giving his presentation in the last two chapters, and now he is uh, breaking in and giving Job a chance to respond, which is interesting. It's like, you finally got me in court. Now, what do you have to say? And he begins uh, his response with, I'm just going to shut up. I'll cover my mouth and I'll say nothing. And this is uh, just the humble response of Job. And then it's like, it's done, right? No, God says it's not done yet. I got some more to ask you and I got some more to say. And so uh, you answer me and, you know, man up here and listen to what I have to say and see if you can answer again, just completely bringing Job to the right mindset of the fact that God is God and you are not. So this is where he goes through the end of chapter 41, talking more about creation. It's like a father responding to a, a little child that is, you know, demanding that he give every detail about why, I don't know, his insurance policy reads such and such or why, you know, he's bought the kind of car that he's bought. It's like, you know, you are putting me on trial. You shouldn't. And here's some reasons why you should know that because you know so little, which is uh, always a helpful thing to help us uh, through our struggles in life to know that we are very small and we know a whole lot less than we think we do. And the beginning of real knowledge is the fear of God, which starts with a big picture of God and a small picture of ourselves, which is super helpful and accurate and truthful. Chapter 42, end of the book. At the end of this book, Job formally repents and says, I messed up. I did the wrong thing. And God then says, interestingly enough, it's almost a compliment to Job. Like, Job, I need you to pray for your friends or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to discipline them. And um, so he intercedes. He prays and asks for grace and mercy on his friends. And God accepts that intercession. And no reference, as I said, uh, as we met Elihu, no reference to the fourth uh person that steps up in response to Job, which is interesting. Don't want to make too much of an argument out of silence here, but it is interesting that there's no response from God regarding Elihu. Well, Job then uh, is described in the restoration. He gets double back of everything except for his children. He gets uh, the same number of children back, which again, that's been a uh, question people have had why. You know, he gets a double of everything else. Well, because when sheep die and, and camels die, they're dead and that's it. But when people die, that's not it. And of course, his children, he would be reunited with one day. We know that from the rest of scripture. And so um, we assume they were all followers of the same God in trust and faith that Job was. And so he gets seven more. And in the end, he's gonna have this influence on all the children that he had in, in life, which is uh, kind of an interesting thing that happens here at the end of the book and how great his reputation is. And it's just a, a great ending to the book. So tomorrow we get into the Psalms, which will be great. But today our New Testament reading is going to be in Acts chapter 15, the second half, the Jerusalem Council, where we've got the conclusion of, of the matter, which is a letter that is drafted that reminds the Gentiles that they are fully accepted because of the grace of the gospel and that they should be careful about things that uh, should obviously be you know, prohibit in our lives and brings up one at least in terms of a moral law, uh, a moral um, demand and, and requirement of the people of God, sexual immorality in this passage. And then he adds two others that relate to the ceremonial 
law in terms of stumbling blocks. Don't do these things because these are such egregious things in the eyes of your brothers in Christ in the Jewish community who are Christians, followers of Christ. And so just like we've learned in our community imperative, we've got to give up our liberties sometimes for the sake of being a stumbling block in other people's lives. So that's how this ends. And at the very, very end, I suppose, uh, it's the end of the Jerusalem Council. It talks about Barnabas and Paul going two separate directions, which is a staffing issue for the Apostle Paul. And Paul and Barnabas can leave disagreeing about something, and God ends up multiplying ministry even over that. Our community imperative today is found in Romans chapter 15, verse 1, which says, we who are strong have an obligation to the weak and make sure that we bear the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. This is a great, great text. And I put it this way, use your spiritual strength to help each other. And there's so much more to that, obviously, in that verse. But the idea of that's being an obligation. We have to do this. And not only that, that means that sometimes we're going to do things that just will not please ourselves. Our aim needs to be to please our brothers and sisters in Christ. So use your spiritual strength, whatever that might be, how you can be helpful to say, I want to use the things that God has done in my life, the knowledge that I have, the maturity that God has given me, whatever level that you're at, to go help someone else that is not as far along in Christ as you. Do what you can to serve them. Make it your aim to please them. And tomorrow we'll be back as we get into the great book of Psalms and chapter 16 in Acts. And we'll see you then.